Hey folks, this is Dr. Rob, and welcome to Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction, a podcast brought to you by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs and hosted by me and my sidekick, Tammy. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, Dr. Rob. Thank you. Our show provides useful answers to your most asked questions about cheating, betrayal, and addiction. Let's get started. I'm the addict, bad actor of having actual affairs. Just remember if you're, um, well, it doesn't matter. I'm I'm the addict, bad actor of having actual affairs, and my betrayed girlfriend of 10 years will not participate in the recovery process as she is a victim of sexual abuse as a child and Mm -hmm. has never seeked therapy. And so I guess I don't know if there's a question there. Um, um, How can I get her to engage and participate? There was a part B, but it was... Oh, yeah. Um, you can't. Right. Um, you can't make, well, you can lead a horse to water. Um, you understand this isn't about you. This isn't about your relationship. This isn't about your cheating. Uh, only that it triggered some things for her. And as you said, she never sought therapy. That means she doesn't really want to look at this. And she, you have brought it all up for her, whether she liked it or not. And now basically you're saying, okay, now that I threw all the poop on the table, I want to clean it up with you. And she's like, I never wanted it on the table in the first place. You know, this is, by the way, one of the themes that in codependence is that codependency really says, oh, well, let's look at all of your issues. A lot of spouses just want things to go back to the way they were or be a little bit better. You don't necessarily want to self-examine everything that happened in your life. So- what you didn't say is, I'm pretty sure I'm going to go up and down. Um, why? Uh, why does she need to go to therapy? What is it that's going on so badly between the two of you that you really feel that she has to go to therapy? Um, oh, participate in the recovery process. What do you want from her? I mean, you're, you want to get her into therapy because you think that's the way that you guys are going to reconnect in this new world that you're living in called recovery. Can't you connect in a whole bunch of other ways? Does she have to be part of your day-to-day recovery? I mean, it's helpful if spouses want to go to therapy or they want to deal, they want to go to a group. But I really respect that some people are very private. Some people are very scared. Some people have lots of issues and they may not choose to move forward with a lot of self-examination. And I think you must respect that. Um, You've already violated this person with your behavior. If they are trying to protect themselves by not going further into it, it's just another violation. Plus, it's like guilt. Well, you know, we're going to get better. So if you were just doing that, this or that, take your eyes off of her. She's got enough stuff of her own. Um, Look at what you're doing and how you're maintaining your healing and how you're focusing on you. And eventually she'll either realize, here's the good thing. If you stop acting out and you're really, really working your recovery, I mean, being a a good spouse, supporting, showing up, clearly taking care of yourself, it will come to her over time that you're not the problem, that you're actually being the person that she wants you to be, but she's still miserable. And if she's still miserable and you're not the problem, she might have to turn and look at her own stuff, but not because you're asking her to do it because she has found a way to her way to this. I don't, I want to grow. So the best thing you can do is focus on you and, and be sympathetic. You know, that really sucks that you went through that. And I love you dearly. And I'm sorry. Tammy, do you have anything else there? The only other thing I have to, cause like bad actor, I, I always, struggle when there's good and bad and you know like that type of thing so so you had problematic behaviors absolutely you were hurtful and you added 
to her hurt, but you added to yours as well. So I appreciate that you're here. I appreciate that you're working on it. I encourage you to, um, to really lean into how do I be a different person? Um, like all of the work groups that are on the seekingintegrity.com site. I was thinking of the Eddie Caparucci because he talks about being the new Which guy. Love. And, yes. Oh yeah. But you know, he talks about being the new guy, but it's looking at our inner child stuff like Troy loves with the attachment. I mean, it's good stuff, but it'll help you understand that, that we are responsible for our behaviors. You know, we have to take ownership of that, but, but the good and bad and all of that, I would, I, I guess I struggle with those particular words. It's like, you know, I chose some really poor options and it was very painful for everybody. doesn't make me good or bad, you know, but my, my, uh, my actions were problematic. So anyway, and I want to jump on that because everyone who comes into treatment says, uh, starts from the, when we really get them in touch with what they've done, how they've hurt others, whatever, they move right to, I'm a bad, terrible person. This is unresolvable. I'll never get better. And, you know, first of all, that's a form of self-obsession because it's still about, I'm so horrible. I'm so this and that, but, um, you know, it's so much more comfortable and realistic and true to say to an addict, you're not bad, you're broken. You know, you never learned how to do this. You learned how to do it this way. You you kind of got broken along the way. And we could teach you how to, you know, as all of your partners know, the crack will still show, but we can glue you back together and have you be functional and a more, you know, connected, aware human being. Um, but... Uh, where was I? I lost my track. Um, oh, I went on to the bad because you were talking about good and bad. Right. But yeah, right. So I think bad is a word best used for uh, for people who are unredeemable, I guess. I don't actually think there are any bad people, but there are certainly more broken. People are more broken than others. And some are not fixable. There's one way to look at it. Well, and I, you know, I love the glue analogy and we've talked about this before too, but you know, when you glue something together, it doesn't break in that same spot. That's, that becomes a source of strength. And I think, you know, I look at our lives and, you know, addiction played a huge part in it in a very negative way for a long time, but then we were able to turn that and, you know, now, now it serves me well because I'm able to hopefully help right. other people in a, in a meaningful way. So, so I, I love those analogies of like, we're broken and we can be glued and we can be stronger where we were broken in our, in our brokenness, we can have strength. So. And, and very simply, Tammy is saying that we can make lemonade out of lemons, you know, and I am grateful. I can't tell you what it means to get a letter from, we just got a letter from someone who had gone through our treatment program two years ago. And, you know, no one's asked to write. No one has to write. We just wish people well and hope they'll do. But once in a while, this two years later, someone wrote us and said, you have no idea how things are going well in my life. I'm so grateful. And, you know, that's the gift that I get because I used to do problematic things as I have gone past them. And now I can help other people with those problematic things. And so Tammy's right. You can make your lemons into lemonade over time. But first, you got to move from bad to broken my opinion because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, bad people don't help people but broken people can mm -hmm. what do we got Tam? okay the next one we are seven months past d-day and i'm still terrified to leave my house my husband of 18 years disclosed that he would act out any time i was out of the house i'm in therapy and he is also with a csat I'm working on recovery from the trauma the best I can. I even saw conversations he had where he tried to get an affair partner to come over and have a quickie in our garage while I was running a quick errand. How do I move into being strong in my boundaries and being comfortable living again? Um, 
you know, it's, I just want to say something that, that this is completely from out of perspective. When this person, uh, it's a woman, said, I even saw conversations he had where he tried to get an affair partner to come do a quickie in the garage when I was out for an errand. And you, you say even like that's surprising. You know, that's that's what we do. You know, if I got five minutes and I can get away with something, I'm going to get away for it. So just want to say to you, that is not that is very typical behavior for us. And so when you say even that, I think, well, no, that's what we do. Um, I don't understand, Tammy, that terrified to leave my house. I mean, that, because she's that, afraid that if she leaves the house, he's admitted that every time that she left, he acted oh, okay. out. So if she right. leaves the house, she's not guarding the house and keeping him from acting out. Right. That's what it so, feels like to me. One of the main themes in prodependence, and I cannot say this strongly enough, is that none of us can help or none of us can make someone else act out. And none of us can make someone else not act out. They're going to do what they're going to do. So you being home or and how do I say that? I think it's counterproductive for you to assume that somehow your being home is going to guarantee that he's not going to bring somebody home. You know, this is like the partner who says, I'm going to go on your all your business trips with you because I know if I'm with you that nothing bad will happen as if you couldn't go off and do something in the restroom on your way upstairs. It's just faster. As the previous one pointed out on couples trips. So, so I mean, what you're talking about is, and terror is a strong word. I mean, you're said that you, what you're saying is my sense of trust has been so violated that I can't leave this person for five minutes without wondering if they've been at it again. Um, Tammy, do you want to jump on this? There's a lot of things to talk about. Well, th there is, but I, I, I think, think the last, it's like the question. Yeah. Um, I, to me, it is because you, you say he's doing his work. I, I'm in therapy and he is also the CSAT. Um, you didn't indicate, um, how much work he's doing, you know, like 12 step. And is he going on the sex and relationship healing? Is he doing, you know, the sex addiction one-on-one work group. I mean, so, so a little bit of it's if he's only seeing uh, CSAT, even if it's the most amazing CSAT 50 minutes once a week, these are patterns that are old. And so like, he, I would, I would be concerned too about him acting out, but like Dr. Rob said, you have no control, you know, what he chooses to do. It's really for him, you know, what is he engaging in on his recovery level, you know, um, because you're seven months past D-Day, but uh, but I like what is his recovery plan? What is he doing to to help you feel safe so that you don't feel like you have to, you know, put the moat up around the house and keep people out? Yeah, I, I wanted to double up on that, Tammy, with this last sentence because you really want to know how to be strong in your boundaries and live comfortable living again. Uh, surrender any control you have over his behavior and realize he's going to do whatever he wants. And if he's doing the right thing, great. You'll feel and know that. If he's doing the wrong thing, you'll feel and know that too. Um, you have to trust yourself. Almost every spouse, when they feel like this person's acting out, they're often right. Not always, but often. So you got to trust your gut. Um, so really focusing again on you, taking care of you, connecting with some of the support groups so that you can hear other women and how they try to figure out trust. But bottom line is, I think the fastest and easiest road to getting in your boundaries and feeling comfortable living in is coming to the place of understanding that no matter what you do, 
no matter where you are. If this is something he's going to do, he's going to do it, and you don't have any control over it whatsoever. It's like a surrender. I am powerless over what my spouse might or might do, and trying to sit home and control it is making my life completely unmanageable. Where's your fun? Where is your recreation? Where are you going out and having, you know, being with a couple of friends doing something together? You're sitting home, but you're punishing yourself. You know, you're not having a life because you're focused on what he or she might do. And this is not healthy for you. Um, and so the answer is to turn to yourself and, and look at how do I want to live? How do, what do I want for myself? What is fun for me? What are my goals? And less focus on him might get you out of the house. So. Tammy likes that answer, I could tell. No, and I really do, because I, I, I subbed in on the Betrayed Partner Group um, again last night. And, you know, when I'm listening to the stories, um, and I won't share any specifics of anybody, so don't worry. But, but, but when I'm hearing it, you know, I hear how much time and energy and focus the partners have on him and his acting out. And, it, you know, it sucks up all the energy all their energy. And I get it. I get, you know, looking for safety. So I'm not blaming. It's just sad to me that, you know, so, so I yeah, empower you, you do what you're, you're going to do. If his main focus is still going to be on acting out, he, he will find a way to act out. If his focus is on repairing the relationship, on being a person of integrity, on doing the right things and being, as Dr. Rob said in, you know, with the out of the doghouse of doing the right things to be in that relationship, you will know it, but but you will also have a life. I know um, really briefly as uh, you know, I hear lots of people, and you know, one person he absolutely refuses to do anything. She's like, "I'm carving out my own life. I'm I'm doing me," and he's going to be left in the dust and not understand what happened to him. But she's like, "I have a life. I have friends, and I'm I'm doing my life." And I was like, "You go, girl." You know. So, okay, ready for the I'm, next I'm one. I'm just writing a note okay. to everyone. Okay. Uh, instead. Just remember you know, the chats we ignore because we've got. You know, so no, no, I'm questions. responding to yeah. the question that was just asked. Yeah. But do you know? You know? Did you know? I, when I went to college, I didn't know how to type because my mother. This is when I grew up. I just have to say this: when I was growing up, because this is the world you and I lived in. Yeah. I was a boy in high school, and I turned to my mother at 17, and I said, you know, there's this thing about $10, and you can learn how to type. I want to learn how to type. And my mother said, oh, no, you're going to have a secretary. You're never going to need to learn how to type. So <laughs> she was wrong. She yeah. was wrong. Yeah, because I don't have one. Not even yet. Okay, let's go to work. And and I was a girl, and I was the speediest typist in my class. Yeah. I know. Okay. That's not should surprising. My I know, but because like everything fast. So should my husband share his three circle with me? We went, or he went through SI. He went through our treatment program in August of last year. We have not done disclosure two years since D-Day. His therapist has been working mm -hmm. to prepare him for disclosure. He is doing his work. But the bottom line question is, should she yeah. know what his three circle is? So the answer is no and yes. It really is. The answer is, um, and really, I mean, this is exactly what I, what I think. Um, if you look at that plan and you haven't been disclosed, you're going to see stuff on there and you're going to say, oh, I didn't know that was on there. Or did you put that on there because you did it already? Or you're, it's only going to provoke questions about why did you put that on there? Does that mean you did it? Because you don't know anything. So if it were me, I think every spouse has the right to see my recovery plan. 
You know, there's nothing for me to hide. You know, I hear guys say, oh, that's my private stuff for 12-step program bullshit. You get to know what my plan is because it's our relationship and you get to know that I, you know, that I'm not allowed to do this or it is okay for me to do that. You can even discuss it with me. You can even say there are things you don't like on there and I could negotiate with them with you or talk to my sponsor. It is an open contract for a couple to understand together, even though it's my my commitment. However, if you've not done disclosure, I think it's it's going to open up a world of pain. And either you're going to walk around wondering why certain things are on there, what does it really mean, or he's going to tell you things that you're not ready to hear because you don't have the support. So, you know, my question would be, what is the upside of this at this moment? Yes, after disclosure or even at disclosure, you could know all of it. But right now, now I will say something, Tammy, to you, and I perhaps I have a different way of working, but, you know, we do a consultation group for therapists every week. And I do, Tammy and I do this. We meet with as many therapists who want to meet with us. We don't charge them and we answer their questions. And one of the things that comes up is some of the therapists take six months to a year to do disclosure. And if I were a spouse, I would lose my mind. You know, I really think a couple of months is probably enough time, if not, if everybody's doing their work. And so I do think you know, it's been two years since D-Day. Does it really take his therapist two years to get him ready to disclosure? I mean, not to criticize other therapists, but I hate when you spouses are left in the dark for such a long period of time because it's incredibly painful for you. And, uh, and that's my rant. So there you go, Tammy. Well, and, you know, as somebody who's been to treatment has a timeline, they have a lot of the foundational components. So, so mm-hmm. it would be, I think fair to have a session um, with your therapist and his therapist and talk about what is the plan when is, Mm -hmm. and, and if he needs to hurry it up, if he's dragging his feet, because gosh, addicts never do that. um, You know, like what, what needs to happen in order for that to happen. So. I agree with Tammy. I want to say something about that because yeah, I don't know if you know this, we lie. And I could imagine saying to you, well, my therapist- In our act of addiction, it's a very big thing. So yes. Yeah, well, that was me as broad addicts. Yes. I was just thinking yes. we addicts lie. I work really um, hard on I having can, integrity. And we always, it's not unusual for us to come home and say, well, my therapist said, and the truth is the therapist never said any of that. So, you know, this therapist may have been begging him to do disclosure for a year and he keeps coming up with drama and trauma to talk about and heaps, you know, uh, addicts also seductive. So he sort of seduces the issue. So I absolutely agree with Tammy. I think going, and by the way, you don't have to have a therapist in there. You can call the CSAT and say, I would like to come in and sit in a session with you guys. I have some things on my mind that you're not intruding. You're not becoming part of his therapy. You are a spouse who wants to share and get some support one time or twice. That's it. So um, I certainly will do that because as a therapist, I kind of want to know who the spouse is anyway. And boy, when you put the three people, by the way, if he says absolutely not under no circumstances, can you come to my therapy? I'd worry Um, because none of us should have anything that we really have to have. So um, complicated, but easy. Next question. I am a male addict that is in recovery. I was um, in recovery for about a year. I relapsed with porn on Friday. I own my actions and I own my relapse. My partner is completely and understandably devastated with me and going through trauma. I own that I did this. Where do I go from this relapse? What do I do going forward and how do I handle the situation? Tammy, what do you think this person is talking about exactly? their relationship or 
what do they need to go forward? What do they want to handle? Yeah, I think it's like, so we, we talk often about slips and relapses. What I hear is that you slipped and you owned it. That, that to me is very different than a relapse of relapses. You know, I didn't tell anybody and I had a, you know, kept going and then my partner found out and all of that. So, so, um, I would be talking to the partner and say, I, I know this is really hurtful for you. What, you know, what can we do? How, you know, what are you looking for that would help you feel safe again? And so that I can rebuild trust, but, but it's challenging to me because often partners will go, I hate that you're telling me this, that you slipped, but I appreciate that you're telling me and that I didn't find this out. So that's, so there's a little disconnect for me and wondering what else is getting tapped into for your partner. Like this feels like it's deeper than I just watched porn on Friday and told. So this person said that their partner found out before he told her. Oh, oh, that is okay. I gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. So you blew that one. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm sorry. I misread that. So, So, well, no, you didn't misread it. It came up in the, in the chat. Uh So what we now know is, um, you say you own your actions, you own your relapse, but you only owned it once it was found out. Do I have those pieces right, Tammy? Yes, and they he he added to add to my question. The porn was downloaded app where real people post themselves, which I understand may be devastating than regular porn. And I don't know that it's the you know what flavor of porn it is, so to speak. I think it's you know you didn't you did it and you got caught. So. Well, the big, you unfortunately did the most problematic thing, which is you, your spouse lost all trust again, because had you and what Tammy was talking about that where spouses as much as they hate it also realize, wow, I've never had them be dishonest with me before. And of course, honesty is the issue much more than even the sex. It's trust. Can we trust each other? Well, had you gone to her and said, I hate to tell you this, but I looked at some porn and blah, blah, blah. It, it probably wouldn't be going as bad. In fact, I'm certain. Um, but what you did was you kept the secret until she found out. And I don't care if it was an hour or three hours. You didn't tell her when it happened, after it happened, within a reasonable amount of time. So she's not devastated by what you did sexually or in the porn. Because I was thinking, what? That seems a little out of sync. Yeah, me she's too. devastated about is that you didn't tell her when you had the chance. And she only found out. She found out discovery this is like another d right discovery so unfortunately what i have spouses who say if you do this again i will leave you and hopefully they don't because we struggle but what tammy said is really true if we go to you and we say i had this happen i had that happen as long as it isn't you know recurrent all the time but occasional you will understand that we are struggling we're doing our best but we and you'll hate what we're doing you'll hate us but there will be that part of you that says huh i did they've never really been honest with me before and now i'm not sitting around wondering what happened because something doesn't feel right to me and they actually confirmed it so um but in this i i i Tammy, I want to say a dir- it's not a dirty word. Considering all, like, considering all we talk about, I can't believe I'm asking this question. Um, you really fucked up. You really fucked this one up on multiple levels. And I think, you know, the door to treatment is open to you um, uh, because it isn't, to me, this isn't about the slip. It's about how you manage it, how you handled it. Um, you how you didn't did manage your- it or handle it. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there was a choice made not yeah. to tell her. 
because yeah. no action is an action. Mm -hmm. So, but you completely set her up to, I mean, you did this to yourself. And the only thing I think you can do is work on your recovery. And by the way, I wrote Out of the Doghouse because of this issue. I actually say in the book, don't do this, to do that. And one of them is own your stuff as quickly as you can, because you don't want to catch up with you and smacking you on the butt. And mm -hmm. that's what happened for you. And by the way, she has no idea whether that was once or 30 times or 300 times because you didn't tell her. She had to find out. So you've really screwed yourself. And I'm so, so very sorry. I think the only way to handle it is to move forward and try to do a better, well, and not try, to do a better job. Um, this is, you've created a, and I'm sorry for you, but you've created a very difficult set of circumstances for yourself and your poor spouse. Um, they're just waiting for the next shoe to drop and the next shoe to drop. They're completely devastated. Um, so I want to go back to, um, the, you know, we, we have Porn Addiction 101 work group that will start again on the seekingintegrity.com site. And like, I'm curious what your three circle plan is. I'm curious if you looked at your three circle plan and went, oh, I'm sliding into the middle circle. Oh, wait, you know, but before you took that action, cause it feels like you just went off and did what you wanted to do. And you weren't, you didn't call your sponsor. You didn't call your therapist. You didn't call your peer support. You didn't do anything. I had one guy that uh, I love this too. He said, every time I think about relapsing, I listen to a podcast. So Dr. Rob's sex, love, and addiction podcast. I was like, great choice. What a good choice to not act out, to listen to a podcast about recovery. Great choice, you know? And so, so there's, there's options, but I feel like you don't have enough support in place, you know, to, um, to Make go, right oh, wait, I was in my middle circle and, you know, I should have, I, I had a lot of different options and I, you know, I chose to watch porn great. and not tell. So, um, hey, and the 24 hour rule or whatever too. Yeah. What? I know we're running out of time, but I really want to answer the question from Susie M. Cause I think it's yes, really I would, that useful. Was the next one I was going to. Good, good, good. Okay. So uh, Dr. Rob, can you speak on the importance of trying different groups to find the right fit? It has taken several groups for my essay husband to find his fit. And for me, the betrayed partner to see recovery of himself. Well, uh, uh, there's a whole, what, what we say in our 12 step recovery is, um, you have to go to six or more meetings before you can decide if the whole thing is for you. So he should be going, you know, he should be spending going twice a week, three times a week. I don't know what his issues are, or how bad things are, but um, if he's going once and then two weeks later, he's going again, and then he's never going to get there because you have to really engage yourself. Um, I think it is important to go to an SA group and say, no, this is a little too rigid. I don't like, let me try SAA. Uh, there, you know, I don't know, my issues are more about love. Let me go to SLAA. But within, you know, you can go to every group and every meeting with online world in a day. So by the end of a week, this person should be able to say, I felt more comfortable here than there. And by the way, the goal is not to feel comfortable and enjoy your time there. If you're waiting to go to the meeting that just feels relaxing and comfortable and affirming, that ain't what it's about. You know, you can do that in the life you want to create for yourself. Um, these meetings are uncomfortable and they're soothing over time but in the beginning it's hard and by the way a lot of the people i work with will look at the sickest person in the room the person who's molested children and they'll say i don't belong here because i'm not as bad as that and those are reasons to try to get yourself out of that room because you're saying well i'm not that person and what we always say is looking for look for the similarities who you, are you like who do you hear telling a story that sounds familiar to you so um 
I'm also concerned that you're even hearing about this. You know, what I would want to hear is I found the group and this is what I'm going to and I'm putting it on the fridge so you can see it. I'm writing it down. Why? Why leave you feeling anxious about his or finding a fit or not finding a fit? And you know what? Here's a good thing. And tell me like this. He can go to something that isn't a fit for a while until he finds something that is. I would rather someone go to a 12-step support group where, or even a therapist that doesn't feel quite right than see nobody. You know, And so while he's thinking about and trying to figure out where to go, he's not doing anything. So um, I suggest that he stick his butt in one of those meetings, especially one he doesn't like. And I'd like to know, I'd like if I was therapist with him, I'd say, I wonder what you don't like about that meeting. Because it's often the one that you don't like that has the truth that's being told that you don't want to hear. Um, I think Tammy like that too. I agree. No, I love that. Because like when I don't like something at a meeting, guess what is? It's like, I don't want to have to work on my patience and tolerance of this person or whatever, which is all about me being like, it's it's my character defect. So we have one more question that I want you to, because this is really important. I get this all the time, the he won't do. What would you recommend I do when my husband is not ready to speak to anyone and wants to do the work by himself, which obviously doesn't work? He has been doing so much better, more present and emotionally present, but I don't feel like I can trust any of it. What should I do? Why don't you start, Tammy, on that, if you don't mind. Sorry. No, no. We, uh, we talked a little bit about... Uh, um, you know, Dr. Rob's out of the doghouse work group. I would highly recommend that he start there. But but I think having the discussions with the two of you, what is it that you need to feel safe? And you don't feel safe. You said, I don't feel like I can trust any of it. So um, recovery on our own isn't really recovery. Our best thinking got us in all the trouble that we got into in the first place. We need community. We need healthy attachments. We need peer support. We need people to call us on our poop. You know, it's like we, we need somebody to go, Hey, that's a, you know, a really poor choice. The one that we were talking about a minute ago had that person called their sponsor and said, hey, I'm thinking about this. Their sponsor could have said there's other things to do rather than go look at porn and get caught etc so so we have to and to be really in recovery be in connection with other people at our treatment program it's the it's one of the well we have a, a, the most expert treatment clinical team than um of anyone in the planet but Part of it is the community. It's the it's the guys coming together and being able to understand shame reduction, um, accountability, empathy, like all of the stuff you know that happens within the treatment. As Dr. Rob says, milieu, you know that is it's created to help create healing. We don't. We will never read a book as brilliant as Out of the Doghouse or any of the books are. It will never be the fix. The 12 step book, if it was just about like read a book and I can do this on my own, right. we'd all read it once and we'd be fine. That isn't how it works. So, okay. Well, I, I think I wrote something about that just at the end. I don't know if you saw it, um, mm -mm. but if you'd see it, see it go by. Um, what I wrote is that addiction is a disease of disconnection and isolation. So nobody recovers alone. The cure is connection. And, and if you think about it, when we're acting out, as on some level, we are seeking to connect in a very primitive, very broken, you know, and so disconnection, trying to do it on my own is not going to heal me because you, this is, that's like saying, well, 
you know, I know I, ha I know I have diabetes, but if I just really don't want to take insulin and, and I really focus on that, I'm sure it'll be fine. No, you got to take the insulin because that's what makes it better. In this case, we have to, as Tammy said, deeply connect with peers and build relationships in order to soothe the part of us that feels so empty that makes us act out. So there, he, he can't, what he's doing is not recovery, period. Um, and, and I, I um, encourage you to trust your gut. Um, you don't trust any of this. Good for you. Tr mm -hmm. Trust that. So, yeah. And you can okay. always change the locks. Uh, but you, you I don't want you to have to. There, like, there's hope. There's healing. We, I mean, we hear, you know, we hear the hard stories, but we also hear the hope and the people that have found healing. It, it, it like really us. does happen. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction. If our words have led you to seek help, please reach out. You can always find us at www.seekingintegrity.com.